this. Yes, Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner, and you are here attending the Royal Blockbuster Film School. Bring your draperies and your little garments and your wands and your other bullshit you need in order to attend the magical school of Blockbuster Film School. I'm joined by the handsomest man at the Blockbuster Film School, the, some would say the Snape? I don't know. I don't don't know Harry Potter that well. Who's handsome? Diggory? I don't know. Theresa May's handsome. Oh, yes. yes. She is I'm actually she... replacing her for the Brexit deal. What's your name, Brexit deal? My name is Nicholas Souter. Yeah! The fourth. Massive applause. We're in front of a huge live audience, just like the Cosby show, filmed before a live That's... audience. Uh... <laughs> Why? Is something weird about that? Should I not make that reference? No, everybody loves Rudy. Everybody loves that reference. You're here at your favorite movie podcast, and we are going to be two morons talking about some sort of movie topic. What is it? Let me spin the wheel. Oh, the wheel went horribly out of control. Jesus Christ. All right, so let's just do Sigourney Weaver. Let's do Sigourney Weaver. You cool with that? I'm very cool with that. I like Sigourney Weaver a I need you to replace that wheel, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it appeared like a lot of people got crushed underneath that wheel. It was sort of it's very tight in here. wildly out of control and larger than I was expecting. I couldn't have been the only one who watched The Price is Right and secretly hoped one day that wheel would just like kind of pop out of there, just roll through the audience. I more or less just secretly hoped that Drew Curry would just, you know, quit mid-show and they would just leave it in. <laughs> that, and then the last half hour would just be people standing around going, did he quit? Or that Mimi would come out mid-show and just start trolling him. Oh, that'd be great. I would watch that. Or Drew Curry's brother from the show comes out and he's the Zodiac and he fucking kills him. Also good. Yeah. At while the Hurley Burley Man plays. Oh, my God. We'll do David Fincher another time. Before that, we're going to. He's a famous director who yelled at people and directed. We're going to talk about. Three. Oh, oh whoa. good tie in. I think the only movie. Does in that which, mean the show's over? Uh, you know what? You win. All right, everybody. You. See you later. See you later. It was a bye great bye. job. Brian Tepps is a super producer. Steven Spielberg was the executive producer. We'll see you guys later. Uh, but we're going to get to Sigourney's only appearance, I believe. Fully shaved, top to bottom, I believe, is what she said. That was what I heard. And we're editing that out, right? <laughs> hey, now you... No, 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 no. We're not... Those are facts. You don't want You don't want movie facts? I'll just keep talking so much that it will be difficult to edit that out. And the context won't make sense. I'll just cut it all out. Just cut yeah. out everything. Just cut out the whole show. That's fine. All right, everybody. Well, that was great. The entire episode is just me going, Theresa May. Yeah. Yes, of course. Cancel Brexit. Susan Alexandra Weaver, born October 8th, 1949, is an American actress. She is better known as Sigourney, which she took in college from a character from F. Scott Fitzgerald's The The Great Gatsby. (laughs) Thank you. Because Susan Alexandra Weaver was also born into wealthy families and (laughs) she identified with the struggle. That's kind of true. Although her wealthy family is pretty interesting, though, because her mom worked for NBC. She was an executive at NBC and her dad was like a college film professor. She had an uncle named Noodles Weaver, who was a comedian and a radio personality. And I'm not going to go into that. Um, Noodles had a tragic end. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I feel like self-publish your books, kids. Or Doodles. Excuse me. Doodles. Doodles. I'm so sorry. R.I.P. Doodles. 
And she grew up with a bunch of rich parents in Manhattan. Her mom worked for NBC. She went to fancy colleges. She went to Sarah Lawrence College. She then went to Stanford and then got a master's of acting from Yale, where one of her classmates was Meryl Streep. Have you heard of her? Yeah, she, she was in, um, what's that movie with the ABBA? Yes. She was in the, the ABBA movie. With the ABBA. The yes, ABBA? Of, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Emma Zabba, you my only friend. She was in a couple of movies. But yes, her and Meryl Streep are friends. Do you, which is strange because you'd think it would be hard to get acting roles if your friend is Meryl Streep. Yeah. Also, do you think when they get like, do you think they still hang out? Do you think they get drunk totally. and Meryl just brings up for all of her Absolutely. Oscars? Meryl's taking a beer bong right now. Nice. And then Sigourney's like. Steel Reserve. Sigourney says, don't bogart that shit, bitch. Something along those lines, you know, something friends do. Something me and you do a lot, like give each other back rubs all the time. That's normal. Um, Sigourney Weaver's first role was technically in Annie Hall in 1977 from famous director and stepdaughter fucker Woody Allen. But she wouldn't have an actual credited role until she was Ripley in Alien. So coming out swinging, coming out swinging. She did get some Tony Award nominations and stuff, though. She was on Broadway. Yeah, she was a. But you just mean straight up screen credits? Yes, yeah, screen credits, though. But she was a very up and coming young star on Broadway, so it makes a little bit more sense. And also, she's like, she's like Meryl Streep. Can I have the same agent as you? And Meryl Streep's like, I'll kill myself if my friend Sigourney doesn't get an agent. He's like, that's fine. I don't care. Like, absolutely. I think we should just talk about a to start. What was the first movie you ever saw with Sigourney Weaver? First movie I saw with Sigourney Weaver. Most likely was Ghostbusters. Yeah. But the first one I remember, like vividly remember, Uh-oh. was Alien. Because I saw Alien when I was like eight. Did your parents like throw you in a room and turn it on? Yeah. <laughs> go in your room. You and your cousin are driving me crazy. It was the middle of the day. We go in there. We're watching it on USA, mind you, with commercials. Oh. And we still like stood up from our chairs and stood behind it. And then we're like, mildly pacing and then it was like go to commercial go to commercial oh my god and we both left at the same time like we were freaked out in the day really watching alien yeah really i always had a weird thing with alien and aliens where people were like it's terrifying and it's possibly because when i was a child a demon went inside of my body and the original alex personality has been way gone so that's a possibility of why but I never found them all that scary. I found them super I rad. Alien was scary. Yeah. I don't think Aliens is a horror movie. It's not supposed to be there's scary. There's parts. I don't. There's parts there's of. jump scares. Yeah. And, then it's and just the like, kill me. Yeah. Kill me. Yeah. It's and, creepy and there's jump scares. Which my mom would refuse to watch. And, oh, for real? Yeah. And of course, then I would start giggling and my mom was like, you're a ghoul. <laughs> my mom tried to watch Aliens, but she has. The attention span of like a hummingbird on cocaine. She's like, what's happening? Why are they doing it? Why is she doing it? What's with her hair? What is she doing? Like, Can you just watch the movie? James like, Cameron comes out. He's, I'm a master of Star Wars. Yeah. You know exactly what's no, going on. She got through four minutes of the Dark Knight. Okay. And then she like seriously like had a meltdown. I was like, I'm turning it off. Just wait until Ledger comes out. That's the whole point of this goddamn movie. She, she, is that the Joker? Is that Heath Ledger? Is that the Joker? Is that Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> Okay, good to know yeah. about going to movies with your mom. Don't. <laughs> She's great. But I was just, I was the same. I remember very vividly though. My dad purchasing the VHS of Ghostbusters when it came out and was like, "Yes, yes, I have it now." And we, it's possible we bought the VCR for that. 
I may have elucidated that, but yeah, he was super duper into it and he showed it to me and, you know, now watching it again, I super love that movie and uh, I feel like it's still one of my favorite movies. It still stands up. It's still hilarious. That Apatow quote always stands out to me that Apatow said there was nothing like Ghostbusters in the movie theater. When you went to see it in the movie theater, when it came out, it was like a rock concert. People were losing their goddamn minds. He had never seen anything like that since, which is kind of spooky because also 40 year old virgin was the only time I ever went to something and people were like going crazy in the movie theater of a comedy. Yeah. But Scorty, we were so different though. She's such a different actress. She's so striking and she has such a different sort of presence than anybody I could think of. There's, she is not what you would call sort of your traditional like bombshell sort of starlet mm. or something like that. I think so. She's very, no, she's very attractive, but there's something like, I don't want to use this sort of wrong connotation, but there's something very like strong and sort of masculine and like Athena about her as opposed to That's what I'm so into trying to over feminize her like a lot of female leads in movies. And that kind of jumped out because her through line in Ghostbusters is so commanding because she plays two different characters. She plays them in this way so that she's the straight woman to Bill Murray a lot. But then in the third act, spoiler alert, she becomes possessed by Zool, a demon, and she herself becomes a demon. And then she sort of has this weird flip where she becomes the more sort of dominant, weird character in all the scenes with her and Murray and her and Rick Moranis. So R.I.P. <laughs> Rick Moranis's career. Yeah. <laughs> he just stopped acting because he wanted to raise his kids like an asshole. I know. Like, get over it. You have a family. We all do. Kids are good. I'm good. I'm Canadian. What a douchebag. But she was definitely one of these actors who, even in Ghostbusters, jumps out as this not what you've seen before. And then when I was told that she's in Alien, because also I had a weird backwards thing where, like, I saw Aliens first. My dad loved James Cameron, was obsessed with James Cameron. So we watched Aliens first. It's awesome. Obviously, Scorn Weaver is in it. Yeah. She's amazing in it. That's kind of her main breakthrough as an actress, as a star in Hollywood. Real fast. Just mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I saw Aliens, Robocop 2, and The Road Warrior in the same night at a sleepover. Jesus. And I mostly remember this because I accidentally called it a slumber party, and those fuckers never let it down. <laughs> And I hate them to this day. Hey, guys, do you want to maybe play it with a Ouija board? Um, no, but you're totally right. She's like a dominating force in yeah. any movie she's in. She comes in and commands it. She's like a fucking sergeant on a ship. It's true. And let's face it. Hollywood is very misogynistic in a lot of ways, has been forever. But she is this very interesting presence that appears in the 80s. And she is this huge, massive star who plays these very different characters than women have ever really played portrayed in the main A-list limelight of Hollywood before. There had been other characters. Obviously, there had been cool female cowboy protagonists, but in like lesser Western films, there had been obviously very dominant Betty Davis and these very tough, powerful women characters. But they Linda Blair. Absolutely. But they had never really been allowed to play the action stars or what would always be the male character would always be the male protagonist. And 
even when she's in Ghostbusters and she is the quote unquote damsel in distress character, it often feels like she is the smart one and the Ghostbusters are morons. They are morons. That's yes. the whole plot. Yes. And they're a bunch of buffoons. Right. But ghosts are smarter than them for fuck's sake. Who sakes. manage in the end to save her because they didn't actually listen to her yeah. in the first place. <laughs> and she knew what was happening. Yeah. Also, Bill Murray, even as a child, I knew that if you are hanging out with a woman and she has a piano in her house, you should just play a couple of the keys real fast and be like, they hate this. I don't know why. It just, it's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. But after you then save that woman later from an interdimensional beast, she will like you for a little bit, but then stop liking you so that she could stop being in a symphony so she can then work at a museum because, you know, fancy jobs are interchangeable. Yeah. If you have fancy pants, you could have any fancy job you You could have you any want. fancy job. You could work yeah. a museum. You could be a cellist, any sort of a in sommelier. The, in, the, in the third sequel, her and Zool were going to open a cheese shop in Greenwich Village. <laughs> now it'd be Williamsburg, okay? Greenwich Village is so... 1999 okay now it's full of bankers and douchebag bros all right okay i know about new york yeah 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 i know all about new york i got a restaurant called Deggio's. taste the difference um anyway those are kind of like right off the bat though she makes alien yeah and then she makes ghostbusters and then she makes working girl and then she makes a movie called the year of living dangerously peter weir movie where she has hot on-screen romance with mel gibson who's never done anything weird before at all. Nope. He has never yelled at anyone or been anti-Semitic to a cop or made a movie that was just gore porn about Jesus with Jim Caviezel. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to watch that movie without jerking off. So you can't jerk off in this theater. It's not that kind of theater. And I was like, I paid to come here, bro. Um, Pun intended. That's right. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in rare form tonight. Then she was in a movie called Gorillas in the Mist about Diane Fossey, who did not have sex with those gorillas, no matter what I just insinuated. But crazily, Gorillas in the Mist and Working Girl, she gets nominated for Golden Globes for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. The only person to ever have that in the same year be nominated for two Golden Globes for the same year. She's nominated for an Academy Award for Gorillas in the Mist. She does not win. She lost to Jessica Tandy. Did she? I have no idea. Yeah. So, that it sounds, sounds right. That does sound yeah. right. You know what's funny is? I bet she lost to Meryl Streep. You know oh, and then they had a falling out. And like, I guarantee they're not. And then friends. they were fighting and she just straight up decks her. She's like, <laughs> you dick. And just cold cocks her. And Meryl Streep is like a huge concussion. She's got her hand on Meryl's Oscar. Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> Meryl Streep clubs her with the Oscar. I would also watch that fight. But uh, you understand what I'm saying, though? Like. There's an argument that Sigourney Weaver was the biggest star of the 80s. Same thing with the misogyny. Immediately, if you ask people who was the biggest star of the 80s, who had the most success, they, of course, would say Steve Gutenberg or Judge Reinhold or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Dustin had it solid, but Dom DeLuise. Did Dom DeLuise get sick? And die because we made him laugh until horse so much that his body broke down. These are the kinds of things we have to he register. He literally just became asthma. <laughs> his body. He's in all of us. <laughs> I will say the Dob DeLuise hat, though, very solid. A very solid choice. And if you're thinking about having a hat, don't wear a fedora because you look like an incel. But if you wear the Dom DeLuise hat, 
You kind of look fun. You look like a taxi driver in New York from the 70s. Have you ever seen Gorillas in the Mist? A long time ago. Mm. Like as a kid. I want to say we watched it in school. I'm thinking of something else. I watched it last week in preparation of this episode because I had never seen it. And I definitely did not cry during it several times because she loved those gorillas. And Nick, those gorillas, they love her too. Okay. It felt a little bit sentimental, though, like the 80s. Like, she's really good at it, but it kind of had that 80s sentimentality where the entire world is falling apart and Reagan is deregulating the entire, you know, what's important is, uh, you know, gorillas. gorillas. That's what, that's what people care about. You know, that's weird things in the eighties, like side things people cared about. This sort of meant nothing. There's all this like terrible shit going out of the world, but uh, yeah, you know, the, the big thing is whether or not, uh, you know, you spay or neuter your pets. That's, that's a big, that's, that's fucking important. But then after this period, things get a little, she gets married to a theater director in the 80s, who she's still married to, Jim Simpson. Yeah. Who the Simpsons are based on. They have a daughter, Charlotte Simpson, who doesn't have a Wikipedia page. So I don't know what she's up to right now. Um, she's probably a doctor. That's true. Yeah, she's probably like awesome. I don't want to be like you guys. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> she's an assassin. That'd be, That'd cool. be so I'd, cool. I'd watch that movie. Sigourney Waver plays her in a movie. <laughs> Mom! What? You're untalented, sweetie. So she kind of takes a little hiatus. She's crushalizing the 80s. Working girl, also an awesome movie. Harrison Ford. Meg Ryan. Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. Oh, Jesus. Melanie Griffith. Oh, boy. All right. That's the end of the podcast. I made a mistake. That's it. That's uh, all right. Oh, boy. All right, everybody. I'm pulling out my ceremonial knife. And, and that was me stabbing myself. Um, uh-huh. What? I know. We're doing seppuku jokes here. Classic. Classic podcast humor. But then it starts to get a little off the rails. Juice to touch. She's an Alien 3, and we were going to talk about your boy, David Fincher. Do you want to talk about Alien 3? Tell me what you know about Alien 3. I feel 3. like we should go back and talk about Alien and Aliens first. Mm, do people like this movie? I think people do. I, you yeah. realize this is the 40th anniversary of Alien. I people know. People will not let that franchise die. It's fucking amazing. I mean, it is amazing. I just, I'm worried that we could do an entire episode on the Alien movies. We could do an yeah. entire one on Ridley Scott. I agree with you, though. We could definitely talk about Ripley in those movies, her performance, the woman who plays the other character in Alien was supposed to be Ripley. And then like day of Sigourney Weaver shows up and she's like, yeah, I'm Ripley. Yeah. And she was like, that makes sense. <laughs> That's fine. Ridley Scott was like, yeah, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of your acting or whatnot. Now. Sigourney's going to be Ripley. So I hope you can just accept this. But it's interesting, though, because she does work with Ridley Scott a couple of times. And here's an interesting, weird question in my head. Is there another, say, pre-Marvel movie era female character who is as big and serialized and known in the zeitgeist than Ripley? Ripley is the original lady superhero in film. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. And I can't, I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure that someone's going to be like, um, actually, uh, you're an idiot, which is fully true. Which is why we have all the comments turned off on our social media. You know that. There's nothing like you can do about it. So else. stop trying, dad. But yeah, she is definitely the first action hero. 
And also, like, that element to be a crossover star, though, to be in Gorillas of the Mist, to be, like, could you imagine Schwarzenegger trying to be in something like Gorillas of the Mist? We have to save these monkeys. All these gorillas or whatever. They don't know how to do what they're doing. They're too stupid to live. They should just move into a condo. And I like that your Schwarzenegger <laughs> is super pro-gentrification. Of course, he's still just a... Just let him live in the basement. He's still a Republican, even if he's not a full-tilt fascist maniac Republican. He's still like, you know the answer to this is to build a nicer building for them. And then the Starbucks could show up or whatever and fix the problems. Um, but And the fact that she's in Working Girl, she's in a romantic comedy that works. That's a huge hit. She's a very diverse actress. That's the thing. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> it is funny, though. I don't know. Maybe she was super on coke, but Particularly, I notice in the 80s, you have people who are successful, but then the party, it gets a little wild style. And for not just them, but their circle of directors and producers they work with. And so things go a little off the rails, particularly in the 90s for a lot of them. Thinking of like Downey, for instance. And some of them never recover. Weaver made some fails in the 90s, particularly. And then her career kind of slowed down i don't know we'll get into that so what's your takeaway from alien and aliens any thoughts any thoughts i think her character development between the two films is amazing yeah she literally is just trying to survive in the first one she's trying to save tom scarrett which no one has ever tried to do <laughs> ever so she gets bonus points for that and she's then yafi akoto's <laughs> boss which yeah i get it and then she shows up in the second one mm-hmm She's traumatized. She lost 57 years of her life. Yeah. And she's not going to fucking take shit from anybody. Totally. In the first one, she's literally just Ellen Ripley. And then in the second one, she sort of becomes the force that is the alien. Yeah. And just goes full throttle against him. She wanders into the fucking nest and takes out everybody. That's true. Yeah. And... Does it epically, too, yes. with the flamethrower and her look in both of those movies, too. Super iconic, where obviously the first one, everyone remembers her, the sort of blue jumpsuit and the bikini underwear. And then, you know, oh, yes. yeah, no one remembers that. And then her in the second one with the tank top and the flamethrower holding a little wiener kid who can't act. That kid's still better than Eddie Furlong. Jesus Christ, that's not true. Yes, it is. Oh, Absolutely. no way. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Absolutely. They come out at night mostly. She doesn't understand what commas are, and you think she's better than John Connor? Yeah, I do. No, I disagree. I rewatched Terminator 2. She's not my mom, Todd. Okay, that's one line. Oh, it's amazing. That though. movie just goes on, and he just doesn't stop sucking. <laughs> I hate that fucking kid. Really? Yeah, I can never watch that movie stoned again because the last time I smoked weed was when Amazon added Terminator 2 to Prime. I was watching it and it was great. And then that little fucking jackass comes on screen and I hated it so much that I literally just watched it on mute and listened to music. I just went on like a new wave kick and watched Arnold Schwarzenegger blow everything up. I feel like this is something personal that happened to you. Did Eddie Furlong... Did he do something to you? Look, we were supposed to split that bag of H down the middle, and he just <laughs> took off on the train. Oh, here we go. He knew I couldn't run. Here we go. He knew I wasn't a runner. argument hour. Listen, oh, listen, oh, listen. 56 stole my heroin. Oh. Listen, everyone knows heroin is cool, okay, and not dangerous, all right? And everyone knows it's not addictive at all, okay? So you and Eddie need to just figure this shit out because I'm telling you straight out. He owes me $18. I want my $18. I want my split of the fucking cap. 
Anyways. Um, anyways, I kind of like Eddie Furlong, and I liked him in Detroit Rock City, and I liked him in American History X, and I think Ew. he is a decent actor, and I think the girl who played Newt didn't know how to read or write. I'm coming out and saying that. Go and, ahead. You can say whatever you want. And Sigourney Weaver had to save her ass in acting all the time, the entire movie. But I will say the cool thing about Alien and Aliens particularly, as well as Ghostbusters, they're all ensemble movies. They're all these ensemble movies, and she fits perfectly into them, which may go back to her theater background and the fact that she plays these characters, and it's almost like the characters sort of build themselves as the movie goes along, which obviously that is normally how a movie goes, but a lot of times, particularly in mainstream Hollywood movies, particularly your female Tom Cruise in the beginning, your Tom Cruise in the end. Yes, your Tom Cruise the whole time. Maybe if you're a Tom Cruise, you're a giant dick at the beginning, and then at the end, you're not as much of a dick to Renee Zellweger or the one from Top Gun. I forget her name. Kelly McGillis. Kelly McGillis. Or the one from Days of Thunder. I forget her name. Nicole Kidman. Yes, correct. Or you're just a dick all the way through uh, collateral... uh, Interview with a vampire. Sorry, I had a little moment there. A Tom Cruise episode is going to be nuts. But well, obviously, when I saw Aliens, though, that ensemble blew my fucking mind as a child. I've not stopped talking about it since I saw it. It's amazing. All of those character actors, even all the actors who then didn't do much after that, I remember all of them. When they show up in little shit, I'm like, oh, that's Drake. Yeah. That's Lady in Brownface. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We need about whether Vasquez is in Brownface or she is a Jew Latino from the future, which could be a thing. Those are things now. Yeah. I wonder if Cameron was like, can you get a tan? You tan up pretty good, right? Versus they like sprayed her down with, I feel like there's a difference in there. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Kind of like we were talking about Ben Kingsley. People are mad at Ben Kingsley. Then they found out that he actually is Indian, but then they got mad at him because he's a light skinned Indian guy. And it's like, what is going on? What? (laughs) There's also a nice segue into death and the maiden. That is true, which I know I haven't seen it in a very long time. Will you explain what it is? So, Death and the Maiden, it's based on a play. The whole thing takes place in one room with three actors. Ooh. Roman Polanski, right? Yeah. He's never done anything gross and weird. So, basically, she's at home. Her husband gets a flat. He gets a ride from somebody. And, you know, he drops him off. He tells her about him. And then it turns out that he, Ben Kingsley, is the dude who drove there, never gave back the tire. So... He drove all the way home, came back to drop the tire. And the guy's like, I insist you come inside. They're standing outside the porch having a drink. Sigourney Weaver basically goes through serious PTSD standing inside like, what's that? Like a little patio. Room? Patio. We'll go with patio. There's another word. <laughs> the sunroom. Sunroom. Thank you. The, and the recognizes foyer. his voice as one of the people who kidnapped her and basically fucking tortured her. Whoa. And like he comes in the house, sitting there, she walks in the room and fucking cold cocks him with a gun, ties him up and demands a confession. And then it is fucking 90 minutes of just intense acting from everybody. Really? Yeah. It's a really good movie. I've watched it like twice, I think. Okay. And it is dark as fuck. It's heavy as fuck. That's fucking bananas, dude. This is my side of what you're talking about. Like. Because you said she sort of fell off and then she's had some fails. I also she was looking, did. I mean, a little bit, but a little bit. it's still her career is better because she's like superior to us. Exactly. She's a but mythological like, creature. I feel like what she did was she did yeah. all these big movies and then she's like, 
I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Or I don't want to do it as much. Yeah. So she does Death in the Maiden, and then she throws in a Galaxy Quest. She does the Ice That's Storm. Really, there's, she there's works with like, Ang Lee. What I'm saying is Galaxy Quest for me is an Ice Storm or the Return. That's like the real back. But there's Alien 3. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously, if you don't know the story of Alien 3, you really should. If you haven't seen any of the Alien movies, watch Alien and Aliens. Watch Ghostbusters. If you haven't seen those, I'm sorry that you were in that cage like Brie Larson in the movie Room. Okay, I'm really sorry that that happened to you, but you should come out of there and watch those movies because they're amazing. But so she makes Alien 3. Alien 3 is a fail. David Fincher, it's his first movie. The studio is fighting with him. They want to do all this other weird shit. They end up shaving uh, Sigourney Reaver's head, doing all this like 90s grunge shit that producers were into at the time. They were like, yeah, this will look real good. This is a good idea. And uh, that's Joel Silver, by the way. And um, I don't know if he was involved in this at all. Uh, I don't think he was, but he always go with Joel Silver. (laughs) He's my favorite because he's like, yeah, what a giant fucking robotic spider. Can you make that happen? Alien 3 was 92. Death of the Man is 94. In the middle of that, she made Dave. Dave was a huge hit. Dave was a huge hit. But she did make 1492 Conquests of Paradise with Ridley I, Scott. I thought we could just where, avoid that. Where every so often Ridley Scott, I don't know what happens. He's just like on a shitload of Molly or something. And he's like at the heights of his power. And he's like, now I have decided to make a very weird, very long, slightly religious movie that no one will enjoy. Yeah. Not even myself. And you're like, why would you do that? Like, I don't know. And then, I'm doing that now. So yes. he did that in 1993. <laughs> yes. So you appreciate it later when you did the same thing with Russell Crowe for six yes. movies. Yes. Well, but it like it good was, movie. Russell Crowe movie. Good movie. Russell Crowe movie. Yeah. But Gladiator's pretty good. Okay. Gladiator's pretty good. But then it's just like, oh, hey, look, I'm going to make DiCaprio a dick. What's the one with Legolas that's nine and a half hours long? Kingdom of Heaven. Is that what it's called? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a ooh, that would take a long time. The CGI of that. Does not age well. Oh, hey, everybody. Yeah, do you want to like see a movie about the white people attacking all the Muslims? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, ah, the CGI in that is like The Rock is a Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> if The Rock was in Kingdom of Heaven, though, that movie would be a lot better. It would be heavenly. If you would have just used WWE actors instead of Legolas, you're like Stone Cold Steve Austin. See, this is why I need to be a producer, okay? This is why I have the talent. Okay, so that's basically her big lull, right? Is that she's in one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. 1492 costs like $150 million and made, I want to say, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 6 to $7 U.S. box office, possibly. $47 million budget. Yeah. Made 59 worldwide. Ooh, but that, I mean, now, after all the years, after all the shit. Fuck well, it. Just, I mean, just box office, yeah. not like video and stuff. Nobody rented it. <sighs> I remember the trailer was terrible. It was this weird trailer where there was slow motion of a guy falling to his knees on a beach while they played shit. Gerard Depardieu. Yes. While they played (laughs) the sound of the space shuttle taking off. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember they would always have it on the, it was the trailer on the VHS copy. Also VHS things were tapes. You used to watch. And before movies on them, they would show trailers even on the VHS copy because you had to watch it. It was like the cinema in your home. Yes. And you could fast forward through it, though, which also would get funny later. And that was before Aliens. That was on the copy of Alien and Aliens. It makes sense. 20th Century Fox trying to pitch a new Ridley Scott movie. That makes sense. Didn't work. No one wanted to watch a Gerard Depardieu movie, like an action movie starring Gerard Depardieu about him killing Indians. Oh, wow. This is awesome. This is a great idea. But yes, so she made that. And then she made Copycat, which I love. Copycat. If you haven't seen Copycat, 
It's a great fucking movie. It's a, a John Emile film. John Emile's kind of an underrated 90s thriller director, but it's her and uh, Holly, Holly Hunter. Hunter and Dermot Mulroney. Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. In one of his two good acting roles. Yes. Also, I'm counting Independence Day. I don't care what anybody yeah. else says. Also, Laszlo Kovacs, who's an amazing cinematographer, and he did tons of like cool 90s movies and stuff. But he also did like Five Easy Pieces. And he did Ghostbusters. Also, he did um, shampoo. He, he's like this. His look is so 80s. There's something dark, but also really clean and rad about it. So going back to cinematographers, mm-hmm. the cinematographer on Death and the Maiden is this Italian guy who did. I don't recall his name right now. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in America and The Good and Bad and The Ugly. Really? Yeah. Really? It's a really good looking movie. It's all in the dark. It's like candlelit and like a couple of lights. That's it. It's pretty great. I... I'm going to see that very quickly. I'm going to see that very, very soon. Russell Boyd is who you're talking about, the cinematographer, Russell Boyd. For? For The Year of Living Dangerously. I wasn't talking about that. You were. What? I was talking about, I don't know anything about The Year of Living Dangerously. Oh, sorry. Wrong. Death and the Maiden. Death and the Maiden. I just, my brain, I'm still thinking about, God, do you guys know that Mel Gibson was very handsome at one point? He was a very handsome young man. I'm sorry. Death and the Maiden. The cinematographer is... It says his name is Pizza McPizza Face. His name is Torino Delicole. 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 But no? No, I'm fine with it. Whatever. <laughs> oh, no. Don't, don't do the Super Mario voice. It's only, been, my, it's, only been, it's only been 36 years of these jokes. I'm fine with it. Listen, you're the one who's my friend. It's not my fault. You know what you're going to get to. You're blaming me for being friends with you now. Yeah, that's well, or being upset about me making Italian jokes, okay? Just the jokes about anybody based on the way that they talk, okay? That's, I'm sorry, I am. The way that they speak. Ooh. Ooh. You and I are friends, and unto yous are also my the friends. The Yes. So, she starts coming back hardcore, though. Like you said, 97, she makes Angley's The Ice Storm, which... If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. So good. Spoiler alert. A lot of weird stuff happens in it. Yes. It is about a key party and it's very 70s. Uh, spoiler alert. Frodo doesn't make it to the ring yeah. this time. <laughs> it is one of the best death sequences of all time. So okay. good. We're spoiling that Frodo goes down. But as to how Frodo goes down, oh my God. I won't it's tell magical. you. If you haven't seen it. Oh, Ooh, man. I got goose nipples right now. Yeah. Also, Christina Ricci in it. Yep. Because also I saw it when I was like a teenager. So... It was kind of like a movie that was made to try and perv me out, and it worked. It, most movies. It worked. It's interesting that Ang Lee made such a subtle... He used to make such subtle movies that are, were so rad, yeah. and then... Which is funny, because there's a line in there that got deleted out where uh, Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver were about to hook up, and Kevin Klein was supposed to say, Hulk smash. <laughs> he was going to say, Eric Bano, Wow! <laughs> She's made a couple of movies with Kevin yeah. Klein. She, yeah, Dave, and she was the fish in A Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> that is the stupidest dad joke ever. I apologize. Also, if you haven't seen A Fish Called Wanda, I'm just telling you straight out. It's a great movie. It's an amazing movie. It's so good. I started watching it like once a week because I love it. That character that Kevin Klein plays in it as the nihilistic egotistical moron assassin who thinks he's better than everybody but is easily offended and real stupid it's amazing i love it 
Jamie Lee Curtis, too, also kind of in the 80s, kind of interesting parallel careers a little bit, big hits, different crossover hits. See, but then the interesting thing, Jamie Lee Curtis leaning more a little bit towards the traditional Hollywood feminine bombshell actress. You know, she's the interesting. Then she would also work with Cameron being true, true lies, you know, but, you know, would skew in her performances a little more. For lack of she was word. a scream queen. Yeah, yeah, and she wears cool dresses as opposed to having flamethrowers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like she's it's not like, rocking overalls yeah. and a flamethrower. <laughs> yes, right. But she's also tough. She's not without agency. Yeah. I like no, that yeah. in the '80s these sort of big stars. She also looks she's, like she could punch you in the face. Yeah, and like exactly. Knock you out. I mean, yeah. let's give credit where credit is due for Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. She's almost killed Michael Myers for like the last thirty. She's years. She's really trying. Yeah. She's really trying. But she shouldn't have been his sister. This is on her. If you've seen her, the new one, you knew she's not his sister. Based on some Reddit things that I've been reading recently, it's her vagina that upset him. Because uh, she's a woman. And they're upsetting to men. Based on what I've been reading on Reddit. Is this true? Yeah, uh, Mel Gibson wrote that post. Inter- <laughs> Don't make me come over there. Because I will. I like the idea that maybe... Don't make me admin. Because I will. Because I will. I like the idea of Mel Gibson just talking in that voice just occasionally. Like, oh, hey, nice to see you. Oh, yeah. Hey, George Miller, you want to talk about... Because I want to talk about, dude, a new Mad Max movie. All right, cool. Mr. Gibson, would you like the soup or the salad? I'll take the salad with French dressing. (laughs) Um, I really do like the idea, though. As you say that, the chaos magic of it, the idea that somehow in a weird universe that... Christian Bale heard that tape. It was like, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the voice. I've got the voice for Batman, I do. <laughs> um, no matter what, he's still upset that uh, Christopher Nolan wouldn't let there be a Welsh Batman. True. Although I do have to say, so because of those tapes, or maybe it was because of the anti-Semitism, it was one of them. I'm sure it ended up turning out good, but it was the reason that Mad Max Fury Road took longer was because it was supposed to be Mel Gibson. They were ready to go. They had the whole budget. It was the same script. Kind of makes a little more sense. Like, he's old now, and that's why he's crazy. He doesn't really remember what's going on. He's been in the desert for so long. He doesn't know what the shit is happening to him. He's having those weird flashbacks. So it makes a little more sense. I mean, you don't really have to explain it with Tom Hardy, but old man Mad Max could have been cool. I know Gibson's an idiot, but he is Mad Max. I'm sorry, he is. I like Tom Hardy, and I love Fury Road, but I... Also, in my mind, though, Mel Gibson and Tom Hardy have both made the same amount of good Mad Max movies. So I think it's sort of a tie. Mm, that is true. Although there is a, I do have a soft spot for some of Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome is kind of fun. I do love me some Tina Turner. Absolutely. And, you know, Master Blaster. It's, George Miller just kind of didn't quite get it yet. And the first one's not terrible. It's just not. No, but it's just like. They don't have any money. And yeah. it's just it's not executed well. Looks like a fucking Australian like home movie. <laughs> That's how Australia just is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just people shooting each other, cars flipping and stuff. But and yeah, dingoes um, eating babies and Barbies with shrimp on them. Everybody girls. Everybody so girls. So Angley. Yeah. So Scorty Weaver is in the super dope. Basically playing the sex bomb. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, She's, God. This is when she starts to get weird with it, though. This is when Sigourney starts to be like, I'm going to do some weirder characters. Yeah. Before but also, I was these cool heroine characters. I was these really interesting empowering but also funny characters it's interesting though about the bed kings movie that one's crazy where she's yeah. like apparently psycho but in the ice storm she's like now she's kind of dastardly but she's kind of interesting yeah she's kind of sexy but she's also like damaged you know starts to get a little weirder with what she's doing her character performances you start to maybe feel like 
Could you be the bad guy in something? Could you maybe be like the bad guy in some movies? She was the bad person and working girl. That is no, absolutely. She was a total dick nose. But then, you know, they come together in the end because it's the 80s. I don't remember exactly how that worked. She's in one of my favorite movies. She's in Galaxy Quest, which same thing. If you haven't seen Galaxy Quest. Fantastic movie. Came out of nowhere too. kind of. I had no idea. I was not expecting it. It's a spoof on Star Trek fandom. It's such a great idea. Like when I saw it in the theater, it was kind of right at the beginning when I was beginning to write. And it was the first movie I maybe saw where I was like, that's an idea I could have come up with. That's a fucking great idea. The basic premise of it is that if you haven't seen it, at the Star Trek convention, still the stars of a show much like Star Trek called Galaxy Quest kind of get together, but they're, you know, washed up actors and they have to do this for money. But then that show is being signaled out into the universe and a intergalactic federation sees it, thinks they are heroes of spaceflight, comes because literally there are these terrifying alien people who are murderizing their people and they come to ask them for help. And because they're so broke and desperate, Tim Allen's like, I'm I on Coke. You guys got to go with this. I need this gig. And, but then they learn about themselves, you know, they do. And they learn that they always had it inside of them. Yeah. And one of them has sex with that weird hot girl who also then ends up being an octopus or something. You know what I'm talking about? Wait, are we talking about possession now? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there's like a part where there's no, yeah, you're totally right. Right. This and, is an amazing cast, by the way. Oh Yeah. Except for Tim Allen, but he's this is the only thing I like Tim Allen in. But he's a big star. Yeah, he's just playing a washed-up dick, which is like, you know, I mean, perfect for him. Yeah, Tim Allen's a Gordon Weaver, fucking Alan Rickman, yeah. R.I.P. Tony Shalhoub, Mr. McLean, Sam Rockwell, and this is the screen debut for both Justin Long and Rain Wilson. And I love Justin Long, and he's amazing in it. And yeah, Rain Wilson, that's crazy. Tony Shalhoub, oh yeah, Missy Pyle. Yes, Tony Shalhoub is the one who ends up being in love with the alien girl. There's a lot of great twists in it. Very funny writing stands up. I watched it just the other day in preparation for this. Extremely watchable. I think you can even let like kids watch it. I feel like it's PG. Yeah, it's great. To be fair though, <laughs> when I saw it in the theater, something about the way that those aliens were just murdering those people and torturing them and stuff. The alien race. I personally was a little more I don't want to say frightened, but it was more disturbing to me than even alien. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Because it's such a happy-go-lucky film. Yes! And it's just got like, I don't know, There's something Cheney-type action. It's why, in my opinion, if I had to lean to aliens over alien, right, it would be because James Cameron does a better job of just slightly, just slightly establishing a bunch of likable characters who yeah. you don't want to watch die. Exactly. Or they're so interested, you do want to watch them die. And although the ensemble cast in Alien is amazing, when they're dying and, spoiler alert, they die. All of them. The alien, if there's an alien, it's scary. Yeah. H.R. Geiger came up with it. It's a moving, killing dick and vagina at the same time that's also a skeleton. And it also has a scorpion whip tail. And is made of just pure darkness. It is made of the void. It's possibly the scariest movie creature of all time. You have to put it up there. I just, in terms of look, can't really think of a design that I would necessarily, I mean, the exorcist, something like that, something nebulous like that. And they kill everybody, but you aren't as upset. Cause you're like, who is Yafek? Harry Dean Stanton. No, I know it was Harry Dean Stanton, but what were their names? I don't know. Whereas I remember random weird names of characters who died 
early on. Apone. Well, and- because really, Scott doesn't give a shit about those people. No. The one thing that wasn't in the script was the weird, it's a robot that works for the corporation. And that's something I love about really Scott, that he has this like anti-authoritarian streak to him that he started, he was like 45 years old when he directed his first movie. And he had been in advertising and he fucking hates corporations. Yeah. He knows they are the devil. And that's a main through line. And I love that Cameron picked it up and kept running with it. But that's a better twist in my mind than the alien popping out. Because you think, you know, there's an alien going to show up and it pops out. And that's a very horror movie trope. But when you find out that Ian Holm is a robot yeah. and he works for the corporation and they did all this shit on purpose. When I was a kid, yeah. that was one of the first times where a movie blew my fucking mind. I literally turned to my brother and was like, is this fucking happening? Is that happening? And then he just sprays robot jizz blood all over them, just all over them. And he's like, oh, oh," you know, like how Ian Holmes sounds. That's exactly what happened. The alien is a MacGuffin for the corporation being the villains. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. You don't see them killing each other over a fucking percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Fuck you, Paul Reiser. Fuck you, Paul Reiser. Way to go, dickhead. Uh, I love you though, Paul Reiser. You can come on the show anytime you want, and Helen Hunt too. No, no, I'm making a. I'm fucking no Helen Hunt in this show. All right, I hated mad about you. <laughs> I hated it. I liked as good as he gets. Um, we got to start clicking a log here. But to be fair, you know, she comes back together with Cameron eventually to make Avatar. She's in the village, which it. is your favorite M Night Shyamalan movie. She's in Holes with Shia. You know, she's in a lot of movies. Uh, she's in Baby Mama. She's in Baby Mama. She just does what she wants now. She she's does seven years old. Well, now she's a big deal. She literally takes over for David Attenborough in Planet Earth because that's who she is. She's yeah. that big. She's our David Attenborough. You hear Sigourney Weaver's voice and you're like, this is awesome. This is prestigious. She doesn't sound like a 93-year-old man with spit in the side of her mouth. That's true. But he's British, so it sounds... Regal? So it's real. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I know it's his brother, but they kind of sound the same. But... I really liked her twist cameo in Cabin Fever. If I were going to, I know we didn't do necessarily a normal gambit of underrated, overrated. We're going through her career and we kind of are talking about what's overrated, underrated. She's also Sigourney Weaver. So, well, we could do it a little bit. Is there any movies you'd say were like overrated? That's, I do it was a little tough, you know? I I don't think so. Everything. Oh, Avatar. (laughs) I've never seen Avatar. I can't say that. What? This podcast is over. I'll get a real friend now. Where's, I don't know. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I've never seen Avatar. I can't really say anything about it. You got to see it, though. You got to be a James Cameron completionist, at least. I'm not a completionist for anybody. Which James Cameron movie haven't you seen? Avatar. (laughs) Have you seen Piranha 2? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. After fucking uh, Linklater made Boyhood, I have stopped watching his movies, too. Hmm. You didn't like Boyhood? I didn't see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, okay. I waited for that movie to come out for like 10 years or 12 years, as long as they made it. And then like, I don't know. There's too much pressure on it to be good. I fucking love Richard Linklater. Yes. I'm going to watch it one day and I really need it to just be fucking awesome. That's true. Otherwise, I'm going to be upset. That's true. You know what's funny, though? It's such a huge, huge hit. Avatar is. But it is sort of weird to think about because for being such a huge money hit, What's a line from Avatar? What's a character name from Avatar? What's a... Watch out, radioactive man. (laughs) Actually, I remember a line from the trailer. Oh, yeah. Save Fern Gully. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like Dances with Wolves, but with aliens and the Indians yeah. win. The only movie I'll say that's overrated, despite the fact that I like her in it a lot, I'm Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Ghostbusters 2 is in my underrated category for her. It's also a really underrated movie. It had a little buzz when it came out, but it kind of went by the wayside was Whedon, right? Was it Whedon who did Cabin? Oh, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And I think that's underrated. That movie is awesome. It's so meta and weird and up to so much shit. And has That might be the only Joss Whedon movie I have actually seen and liked. You didn't like the Avengers? Uh, I've, you're going to make me repeat this? I haven't seen the Avengers. The Serenity? That is just weird. I I don't know. It was kind of yeah. I, I was kind of feelings about. I, yeah, I was kind of yeah. yeah. I was kind of biased on that too. And also, the first Avengers is good, but it's not like Endgame or yeah. Thor Ragnarok. But my underrated would definitely be Death of the Maiden. Death of the Maiden. Yeah, yeah. I agree. She makes some other stuff. She's gonna make an Avatar two. She's in Avatar two, which is weird. She died at the end of Avatar. Spoilers. But I was gonna watch that. Yeah. Yeah, she signed on to do, Super Producer Brian Tabs just showed me that on her IMDb, she signed up to do what appears Four. to be five yeah. Avatar yeah. movies. So there's a possibility that, I like the idea, though, that in the mid-80s, though, she was like, I'll do anything, Satan. I'll do anything as long as I'm a very, very famous actor. And then James Cameron appears. He's like, hello. Oh, oh. <coughs> Fucking <coughs> being Satan is hard. Sign this. This just says I have to be in five Avatar movies. It doesn't even say my soul. He's like, oh, 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 you'll wish it was just your soul. You're going to be in five Gavinet Avatar movies, being on a blue screen, yelling at a tennis ball for fucking 10 years. <laughs> and then he disappears into a puff of smoke. And then a guy from Paramount shows up and he's like, you have to sign this. Uh, you have to sign this uh, fucking non-disclosure agreement. So confused right now. It's okay. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods is the most underrated in my opinion. This is tough, though. What is your favorite, just favorite? Sigourney? Yeah. Ooh. Aliens. Ooh, yeah. Aliens. I fucking love aliens. I love aliens, but I think I'm going to stick with the Ridge, though. I love Ghostbusters, and I love her in it. She's so good. Dana Barrett, she's so... It's like everyone talks about those comedians. Everyone talks about the Ghostbusters, but really what makes it work is Dana Barrett. Yeah. Really, she's so good. She's at, great. She's the two characters. She does all the crazy shit. It's... It's awesome. She has the only, in my opinion, couple of scary seeds. Hands on the couch. Yeah. And when when she's uh, the frying eggs on the counter, weird shit yeah. like that, you know, this very. Oh, that does remind me of Poltergeist. A little bit, but she sells it. She yeah. makes it work. You get scared yeah. because you believe Sigourney Weaver. Craig T. Nelson is no Sigourney Weaver. No, he is not. <laughs> they never move the graves. They just move the headstones. <laughs> That's great. Do it again. They do that all the time in Chicago. No one else gets viciously attacked yeah. or their daughter gets sucked in. Well, maybe. I don't know. It's a very real possibility. We've never had any serial killers or anything here or anything like that. Movie God. I actually drove by John Wayne Gacy's house because my mom wanted to see it. And I drove past it. There's a very 80s looking house there now. And the address doesn't exist. It was like 2315. There's like 2313 and 2317. But there is no 2315. So... To be the house that was on top of John Wayne Gacy's house, like, it'd be a little intense. A little bit. I was expecting more of like a macabre castle. Well, that's too obvious. <laughs> a guy just comes out, hello, would you like to see the basement? <laughs> yes. There's not a lot of basements in California. <laughs> what you got down in the basement there? What's in the cellar here, Clopec? <laughs> Anyways, our Joe Dante episode is going to be bananas. Our Joe Dante episode is going to be an hour of us just screaming lines from his movies. I'm fine with that. 
Listen, Teps if, wasn't. If Teps you're if you're listening at episode six, it means you're hooked. It means we've heroined you in. You're here now. You're one of us. One of us. One of us. One of us. Yeah. So, final thoughts? Any movies that you would that I'm forgetting, or anything you want to bring up about? Uh, she's yeah. a Chappie. Neil Blomkamp's. I've only seen Chappie at the your bar with the sound off. Yeah, me too. I don't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, Diane Wood is kind of... I'm going to throw out some flash. Do it! Do yeah. it! Okay. Um, <laughs> and go. Alien Resurrection is as bad as everyone doesn't want to remember. Fuck yeah, but it is crazy. Jean Genet is a psycho person. I love him. I love Enemy at the Gates and yeah. shit. He's trying. He is trying. She was in another Ridley Scott movie called Exodus Gods and Kings. Another bizarrely long, I'm sorry, Jesus. I don't know what Ridley Scott is doing. He's like, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'll make this movie. I don't know. Is that where all the Australian actors were playing Egyptians? Oh, yeah. Because she was also in that other one. Yeah, I forget who she plays, but honestly, I've seen parts of it i haven't seen any of it i had no interest yeah <laughs> um alien resurrection it's as awful as you think the ice storm is something everyone should watch every thanksgiving yeah i agree i, I mean really, your family is different yeah <laughs> our, our family likes it dark <laughs> if you have never seen ghostbusters you haven't seen alien you haven't seen aliens you haven't seen working girl you haven't seen cabin in the woods you haven't seen... Then you're uh, a child. Yes. The, you haven't seen Galaxy Quest. You yeah, go see Galaxy Quest. Go see Galaxy Quest. Like, that's how prolific and important Sigourney Weaver is. She is one of America's most talented actresses, but also there's just something about her, and maybe it's that she came about at the exact right moment where we really needed her, and it changed culture. I feel like a lot of the sort of movements, the slight steps we get towards gender equality in this country are often vanguarded by people who appear as interesting characters in our movies and represent sort of things that we want and why each other are important. And honestly, like that's how crazily important I think she is. She is that important of an actress personally like fuck John Wayne. Like he made a bunch of dumb movies. He's just fucking racist. Yeah. And he was a fascist, but if you would have told me, like, going from Ghostbusters, Sigourney Weaver will end up being the more important, more respected, bigger time performer than anybody else in this movie. Everyone would have been like, uh, no, I don't think so. Other than Bill Murray. Also, allowing a sort of different looking, different, having a different style, not having to be just the pretty girl who's just like... I'm the, uh, I don't know who that is. It's a great Kristen Stewart impression. I think, <laughs> kind of, a little bit. Sigourney Weaver is so important, she made me give a shit about sci-fi. She She's made the queen me, of sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. She made me give a shit about a lot of things I wouldn't care about. Yeah. Um, I think it would take longer for me to be a nerd Yeah. if it wasn't for Sigourney Weaver, because Alien, Aliens, Ghostbusters, these are all fucking nerd movies. You bring up a good point. I mean, it made a whole generation of people, like the baby boomers, who were like, Star is full. You know, Star Wars had come out, and there were people who were like, on the feds, they were like, Star Trek is for geeks. But then that comes out, and people like my yeah. dad all of a sudden are like, oh, what? Yeah. What's happening? You, make, you can make science fiction movies like this, that are of this level of quality and have somebody this cool as the lead. And let's face it, it doesn't hurt that she's super attractive and was very differently sexy also as an element too, I would say. Like that she wasn't, 
you know, Betty. She, I, she wasn't uh, Betty Booping around or no. something, you know. But when I go looking for dominatrix on the internet, oh yeah, I go looking for women that look like. I, I personally demand that whenever I am getting intimate with a woman that she wear only very, very small white bikini underwear and a weird tank top and bring a cat. It's confusing sexually to them and to me, which and now to me and tops. <laughs> Well, everybody, that's uh, we we're say gonna... something else. If you're <laughs> on that. Uh, no, uh, if you haven't, please go out, watch those. That's your blockbuster film school professors. We recommend Sigourney Weaver. We recommend her. We give her a yes. Let's you did a great Ooh. job. You did a great. You did a great job. You're a good actor. But so, well, we'll see you next week. If nothing, you know, if a meteor doesn't hit the earth, I don't think they're supposed to be. I checked uh Google weather. I don't think it's happening, but you never know. There's a psycho fascist, so we can all end up in a cage real soon, especially me. And that is where I will finally have my career as monkey boy. All right, everybody. I'm Alex Bonner. I'm Nick Souter. And super producer Brian Tepps produced this episode. We will see you next week.